Today's message was recorded for Wednesday, January 6, 2021. Welcome once again to Central Park Neighborhood Church. This is our midweek teaching hour, and uh, we appreciate each and every one of you listening and learning and gathering information about the anointing. That's what we're discussing in our uh, lessons here in the midweek. We're talking about the anointing oil. We're talking about the compound that God gave to Moses in the development of this anointing oil. And we found that in Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 to 25. It says this, Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, and he tells him this. He says, Take uh, unto yourself principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and then of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary. And then he says, with these uh, spices that you gather, he says, you need to bring a olive oil, a hint of olive oil. And we'll discuss that in, in future uh, messages as we come along here. And when he says then to them, he says, thou shalt make it a holy anointment. It's an oil, a compound, after the art of the apothecary, or another translation says the perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. So today we're going to look at the fourth spice here, and that is the cassia. So let's look at the spice cassia, and let's just take some natural uh, knowledge that we know about this spice, and uh, learn a few thoughts from it, and include it into the, the understanding of the compound that God gave Moses to make this holy anointing oil. Cassia, essential oil, smells very similar to cinnamon. So the smell of it smells somewhat like cinnamon, and uh, it's described as a warm, spicy, sweet, and earthy smell. Uh, You may be surprised to learn in, in my research on this that most commercial ground cinnamon is actually cassia and or a combination of cinnamon and cassia. So you can see that these spices are very similar and uh, that they can be combined. And even in the natural, they do that today, and they sell a combination of these two spices together. So I find that very interesting because right in the uh, book of Exodus, when we find these spices are used with the holy anointing oil, uh, they were used together. They were used together and uh, God blended these two things together in uh, the process of making the holy anointing oil, even though they were similar, but yet there's differences as we'll discover. Let's take a look and consider for a moment, how is this uh, cassia produced? Well, really, cassia and cinnamon both come from the bark of a tree uh, that that is a member of the laurel family, and to produce cinnamon, the barks of the tree, it is harvested, it's dried, it's fermented, then its outer layer is removed. As it dries, the inner bark curls into thin strips, or quilla, they call it. Cassia is harvested very much in the same way. Uh, the The greatest difference here is the fact that cassia has a stronger flavor than uh, cinnamon does. And cassia can be used uh, and has been used for centuries around the world. It's it's a flavoring. Well, we know that cinnamon is a flavoring also, but it's a flavoring and it's an embalming agent. It was used as a preservative and also, uh, last but not least, it was used for its medicinal purposes. 
So cassia has a variety of uses that it was used for. And how can we tell the difference? You know, if you go to the store, here's just a little something you might think about here. How do you tell the difference between cinnamon and cassia then? Well, real cinnamon sticks or quills curl in a telescopic form in a perfect circle, but cassia sticks curl inward from both sides, appearing like a scroll. So one is more like a circle, and the other is more like a scroll. And uh, so check it out when you go to the store next time and see what's advertised as cinnamon and see what you're really buying here, okay? All right. Small pieces of the quills from either cinnamon or cassia are called quillings. And here's the point. When ground, here it is. Both of these barks, the inner barks, are ground to basically a powder. And it's really hard to distinguish between the two, but the difference is in the color. And each is the smell, because uh, cassia has a stronger smell than cinnamon. Cinnamon is a warmer in tone and tan and color with a sweet flavor. Cassia is more of a reddish brown in color and has a more coarse texture with a stronger yet more bitter flavor. So there is some difference here. There, You can tell in the color they are both ground. They go through a process. They go through a process to become a spice. And it's, once again, we we keep reiterating this in our in our messages and in our teaching that the spices of life we go through the process of God, and in the process of God, it determines your attitude in these different uh, testings and trials and processes of God that really make a difference. You know, I said before, once again, if it's you have an attitude of pride, it's hard, it's difficult to flow in the anointing when you have something that is resistant to God. But when you have humility and when you have a willingness and you have a broken spirit and you, you have something that is, amen, easily, I'll say this, easily used by God, you'll find that the anointing flows through that individual in a greater dimension. So, spices, here we are, back to this process again. Amen. Only this one now is a little stronger than cinnamon, but it goes through the uh, same kind of a process, and it is ground, and it is made into a useful source. And likewise, when it came to the anointing, it was ground, and it was blended with the other spices, and it became a compound that the oil was put with it, and it became that holy anointing oil. So if we look at the meaning according to the Strong's Concordance, as we look at this word cassia, it's talking about bark, as in shriveled rolls. We've already kind of looked at that a little bit. But it also, here we go, when it gets, what does this actually mean here? Uh, in the natural, we see shriveled rolls, but it means to shrivel up or contract or bend the body or neck in deference. Now we get to a little bit more of understanding what this particular spice is attributed to. It's talking about bowing down. It's talking about taking your head and stooping, okay? Bowing down. And when we're talking about uh, bowing down or stooping, uh, and uh, it is in deference. It's really, that's the key word here. And when we look at this word deference, it this is what that means. It means submission. Here we go, bowing down. Now we get the submission side of it. Or courteous yielding to the opinion, wishes, or judgment of another. It is actually courteous respect. 
So bowing down is a courteous respect. And likewise, in our spirit, in our attitudes, we need to learn to bow down. We need to learn to submit. And we need to uh, contract the body or bend. Okay, it's talking about our worship. So worship and submission is connected with this particular attitude that comes forth and is represented with this spice. Worship and submission. Submission. That you know, many times that's a that is a real challenge. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I want my opinion to be heard or I want my opinion to be understood. And and sometimes we have to lay those kinds of things down and laying those kinds of things down. What is that? That is submitting. That is taking your own will, bringing your own will under sub, under the subjection of someone over you or to someone else who is expressing something to you. So Cassia then speaks of two things, worship and submission. I like what uh, Psalms 95 verse 6 says. It says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. So here we we have several thoughts just in this one short little verse. He says, let us come and do what? Worship. Okay. Worship is to depress, is to prostrate uh, in in homage or royalty to God. What is that? That, well, that's the bowing down. That's the worship part of it. That is, uh, amen, worshiping God and not worshiping man or worshiping yourself. The second thing he says here in this verse is he says, bow down. What is that? Well, that's to bend the knee, to sink or to prostrate. And it comes from, the, gives us more of the, the idea here is of reverence. You see, reverence. And so kneeling is, is also in there with reverence. And it is bowing down. It is submission. It is worship unto God. That's what he's talking about with this particular spice. You know, when we uh, look in the scriptures, you're going to find uh, there are many scriptures where it talks about worship. I know that we're familiar with many of those. And bowing down also. When I think about Abraham, in Genesis 18.2, it says, He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door. And what did he do? He bowed himself toward the ground. He bowed himself towards the ground. In Genesis 22, it's talking about Abraham and his son. He's going up to the mountain to worship. And uh, this is what he says. And Abraham said to the young men, he says, Abide here with the ass. And he says, And I and the lad will go up yonder. And what we will do? We will worship. And then we will come again. Bowing down and worshiping. I like what... Abraham's servant in Genesis twenty four twenty six, And the man bowed his down his head, and he worshipped the Lord, and said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So what did he do? He bowed his head. He bowed down. And so we find that uh, this bowing and this submission is something that really... It is something to be in our life. In It can be on the job. It can be in the church. It can be with one another. It's something that needs to permeate us. And it's something that is an attitude, amen, that allows this anointing to flow uh, in our lives. There's no resistance. That's really what it's talking about. No resistance. And so um, 
we find that the importance of this spice being in uh, this whole compound. You know, we've looked at myrrh, which is talking about bitter experiences. We've looked at the fragrant uh, cane. We've looked at cinnamon. Cinnamon is talking about the sacrifices that we make, and it is sacrifices on our part and goodness to the others. In the last uh, message, we talked about the other spice, the fragrant cane. It's the reed. It's our inability. It's our weaknesses. And now we come to the the point where we have uh, submission and worship. And it's what's interesting here in this in this whole thing is the different amounts of these things. And when we get to Cassia, it's 500 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary, and it was 500 shekels of the myrrh. So we look at the importance of worship and the importance of submission along with the bitter experiences. You know, uh, sometimes it takes twice as much sometimes to work in our lives and to produce what God wants to do. And those things are bitter. And then he comes along and says, I'm going to put on twice as much of uh, the worship and the bowing down and the submitting to God. And he blends these things together awesomeness the awesomeness of god he blends these things together and we so we go on here and we look at we look at submission and bowing down we look at the worship side of it uh, in uh, um, psalms 29 verse 2 give unto the lord the glory due his name he says what worship the lord in the beauty of holiness psalm 72 verse 11 yea all kings shall fall down before him all nations shall serve him Falling down, worship him. Psalms 99, verse 5. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. So there's the worship part. Uh, Amen. That is to be that integral uh, part of our expression and an integral part of uh, an attitude that is involved in this anointing oil. Let's look at the the second part. There's not only the worship and the bowing down, but there's the submission. In James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, But he gives a greater grace, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride is the opposite of grace. Pride is something that hinders grace. So what does he say in verse 7? Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. All of you be subject one to another. And then he says, be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when we look at this thought process here of submission, of to submit, it's to subordinate. And with the idea of subordination, it is to obey. So there is a second part of it. It's not only just to submit, but there's an an obedience that comes with it. To submit is to lay down your will. To obey is to take an active uh, stance of the submission that you have and uh, take it to the level where it becomes fruitful. So also submit means to arrange under, to arrange under, subordinate yourself, to subject yourself. And we've looked at already it means to obey, But it's to submit to someone else's control. It's to yield to one's admonition or advice. I like what it says here uh, when I look at the research of this word. The Greek word here 
it's a military term meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the commander of a leader. So it's a military term. And in what it is, it is saying, I am a soldier in the, the army of God. I am under, amen, the captain, the Lord Jesus Christ. I am aligning myself and marching and falling in line and bringing myself and submitting my will, amen, to the will and purpose of God. So in a, in a non-military use, it's a voluntary attitude of giving in. It's a voluntary attitude of giving in. Not only giving in, but it's cooperating. It's one thing to give in, but it's a whole other thing to cooperate with what's going on. So it's assuming responsibility and then carrying a burden. So it's a, it's a two-sided thing. It's a giving in, but then it's taking on an, an attitude of obedience and an attitude of res- taking on responsibility and carrying on. When I think about submission, you can look in the life of Jesus, and you're going to find the Bible says he was subject to his parents. He was in submission to his parents. In Luke chapter 2, verses 51, he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. There it is. Jesus was subject to his parents. And so, you know, it's not only something that is an attitude and it is an admonition to us, but we find that Jesus, our example, also worked in submission. And, uh, amen, he was submitted to his parents. In Romans chapter 13, 1 through 5, here's another area of submission. We're to be in submission to the governing authorities. You know, in this day and age, uh, with everything that's going on, um, sometimes you're going to find people, they're not in submission and they're going to do what they want to do. And likewise, even the believer finds himself into this kind of a, a trap that's going on. Well, the Bible talks about being in subjection to the governing authorities. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Wherefore, therefore, resist the power, you resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, he says. For he is a minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. Wherefore, he says, he finishes up, we must need be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. So it's talking about submitting to governing authorities. Well, you know, that's that's part of submission. That's just another area of submission that comes to us as believers. Another area that we find submission in is in the marriage relationship. The married couple is to submit themselves to one another. Most of the time when we hear it preached out of Ephesians, it's talking about the women or the woman being subjected to her husband. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says here, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And this is in the context and in the setting of the husband-wife relationship. Because in verse 22, he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And he talks about, you know, uh, the, the wife to the husband. But he precedes that by saying, submit one to another. And that's in the marriage relationship. 
He says the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject unto their own husbands. So that subjection that we're talking about there is really talking about a pattern that is to be patterned after uh, Christ and the church, the husband and the wife, and submission is to be in place in those things. I kind of want to finish up with this particular portion about submission in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Submission is a garment that's to be worn. I like what it says here in the, in the verse. It says this, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So he tells us, be clothed with it. We are to wear these things. We are, this is an attitude that we are to practice, amen, on a continual basis, day in and day out. So Cassia, it's talking about our worship. It's talking about our submission. And that's all tied in to the formula, to the compound of the precious anointing oil. You're going to find when you submit yourself to God and you find yourself, you, you worship Him, you find yourself giving yourself to Him, that is when, amen, that precious anointing oil that God gives you flows and it becomes tremendously powerful as it flows through your individual life. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. As we look at these things, may the Lord help us and teach us and instruct us, amen, how to govern ourselves so that we can be used of God and that precious anointing can flow through our individual lives. The Lord bless you.